1: Here is Dr. DeRose. Welcome to a very special edition of American Indian and Alaska Native Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. For those of you that are watching this in video, you realize that this is not only a special edition of our weekly radio broadcast, but it is also the fourth installment in a series of eight meetings that are dealing with weight reduction and especially weight optimization. For those of you that are just learning about this for the first time, we've been hosting a program in the winter and spring of 2023 that we call Fast 8. It's an eight-week program that draws from eight powerful fasting strategies to help people really get a, a hold on optimizing their weight. We've been going through the program over the last several weeks, and this is episode four. We're doing it jointly as a radio show that is being prerecorded, and that will be going out as our fourth-week program, fourth in a series of eight programs that we're putting out on uh, YouTube. You can watch this program video, if you're just listening in on the radio station, by going simply to TimelessHealingInsights.org. That is TimelessHealingInsights.org. Simply look for the Fast 8 program. We have a comprehensive handout that goes along with the program. And uh, we've been looking, like I said, at fasting strategies that can help folks really get a handle on their weight. If you've been on the journey with us, let me just give you a quick review. And I'm doing that by way of looking at uh, one of my resources here. We've got on our Fast 8 manual a program guide. We've got a whole list of basically giving an overview of where we're going with each of the elements of the program So week one, the fast that we introduced was what we call the Leaf, Stem, and Flower Fast. And a lot of people say, what is that all about? For many of you, you are regular listeners to the radio show. Maybe you've been going through the Fast aid program. We've been encouraging people to eat more leaf, stem, and flower vegetables. More things like cauliflower, broccoli, kale, lettuce, spinach. These foods have what we call a low glycemic index. That means they tend to keep your blood sugar stable. And on top of that, they are very low in calories, rich in nutrients. Individuals, uh, we've been encouraging them to at least one meal a day, start that meal with a serving of these leaf, stem, and flower vegetables. Those of you who've been going through the program did that for the first week of the program. We told you if you could keep on that, it would be wonderful. If you can't, please definitely move to week two and uh, take up that goal independently. We gave you a number of options week two, things that you could focus on. Many of you chose getting regular physical activity. And uh, another thing that many of you chose was fasting from snacking. So we said fasting from inactivity. That's how we introduced the physical exercise component. And then fasting from snacking. So again... We ask people just to do these simple fasts for at least one week. Do these simple fasts for at least one week. And if you can continue each of the fasts, that is great. But if you can't, at least try the next fast. You say, well, what is this going to accomplish? I do something for a week, then I go to something else. The overarching goal of this program is to help you make lasting lifestyle changes, If you've been on the journey with us, we've been telling people experiment with these different fasting strategies. Fast from anything but leaf stem and flower vegetables at the beginning of your meal. So we're talking about some specific things that you eat as well as things that you're not eating. So you're not starting with dessert. You're not starting with the entree. You're starting with these leaf stem and flower vegetables. That was week one. Week two, we gave people a number of options, but for the sake of this broadcast and this, quote, live edition of uh, our fourth week program. By the way, for those of you saying, well, why aren't you interacting with us live, Dr. DeRose? It's because before we planned this Fast 8 program, I had a number of out-of-state speaking engagements that I was committed to. One of them happened to be on the week where this program would normally have been live if we had had it all planned well in advance and I had no conflicts. But we're pre-recording it for you showing at the beginning of the fourth week of the program. So, I'm giving you a review or a recap. And if you said, well, I'm having trouble following along with this, please just go to the FAST8 website. It's www.timelesshealinginsights.org. When you go there, just choose the FAST8 program. If you register, we'll give you a free copy of the handout, and we'll keep you abreast of when we're releasing new video content, which for the eight weeks of this program is once a week. We're actually doing something special that I'll talk with you a little bit more about, and that is our midweek program. So that gives me a little bit more interaction uh, with you folks because I am sometimes able to join midweek even when I can't join for the weekend engagement. This is designed to air on a Saturday night. If you're looking at your calendar... As I am right now, just pulling out my device. Just uh, so you know, this program is being filmed as part of a radio show and a video broadcast. And this video will be released at 7 p.m. on Saturday evening, the 25th of February. So it will go out as a live premiere on YouTube. And this show will begin airing a little bit later just because of the American Indian Living and Alaska Native Living broadcast schedule. This will go out just a little bit later. The way we have things scheduled right now, this will begin airing just a few days later. So if you're listening on one of our many affiliates throughout Indian Country and beyond, you may be listening the week of February 27th. If you want to catch all that you missed, all of the archive programs are available at TimelessHealingInsights.org. We've put everything in one convenient place. You can listen to past editions of this radio broadcast, American Indian and Alaska Native Living. And uh, we have our video content that goes along with the Fast Aid program. So back to our review. First week, leaf stem and flower vegetables at the beginning of the meal. Yes, if you get the handout, we gave you some other options, but we're not going to go into that right now. Second week, a number of options, but the two that many chose to do was leave off the fasts. So snacking between meals, that is the fast. Leave off the snacks, okay? Leave off the snacks. That is a fast between meals. And then the other thing that we talked about uh, and we're highlighting is fasting from inactivity. That was all week two. Week three was our last week. And that one, it may have seemed like a fairly simple goal to many folks. We simply said fast From caloric beverages, fast from caloric beverages. And what the emphasis was there is we talked about this in some detail. The major source of sugar in the American diet, single greatest source of sugar in the American diet, is sugar sweetened beverages. And that could be a fruit drink, but it's not pure fruit juice. It's got a lot of sugar in it. It could be a soft drink. It could be a a flavored tea or a coffee. So all of these things exposing us to huge amounts of calories with relatively little satiety. Things that you drink satisfy you relatively little compared to things that you eat, things that you chew. So that was the emphasis in our program last week for week three. So here we are now at week four, and we're talking about several things. So one is fasting from addictive substances, That's the first one. And you'll notice then, as you read through this, the goals for this week, you're going to also see that we're asking people to avoid high sugar and high salt foods. And we'll talk about just why that is in a few minutes. So I wanted to make sure you had the overview, where we've been, where we're going. Again, if you want full details so that you can follow along, you can do that even as uh, you're listening to this program. Just go to www.timelesshealinginsights.com. Dot org, and uh, scroll down to the Fast 8 icon. If you're listening to this many months or maybe even some years after 2023, uh, the full website address is TimelessHealingInsights.org slash Fast 8. That's F-A-S-T and then the number 8. And that means we're looking at 8 fasts over 8 weeks. Okay, the fast that we're talking about right now, Fasting from Addictive Substances. So some of you are saying, well, what all is in the crosshairs, Dr. DeRose? Are you talking with me about leaving off my addictive habit with tobacco? Uh, Are you talking about me uh, getting rid of the street drugs? Well, all those things would be great. But as far as the program, we're especially focused on things that are impacting your weight. Now, it's worth talking about tobacco at this point in the program because many of you, if you've had challenges with weight, you've either heard about or you've tried smoking to curb your appetite. And I just want to talk about that a little bit because there are some real things that are going on with nicotine, tobacco, and appetite. And I just want to acknowledge it. So although cumulatively tobacco smoking as an addictive practice is something destructive, increasing your risk of heart attack and stroke, Increasing your risk of dementia, that's what the research shows. Increasing your risk of high blood pressure. I mean, the list goes on and on, and and I don't think any of you that that are cigarette smokers are unaware of that. But let me just acknowledge what the research does show when it comes to appetite. Yes, nicotine does have um, some effects that people perceive to be advantageous if they're curbing your weight. Now, some of you say, Dr. Drose, you should not be talking about this to people who have weight challenges because they may just start smoking. Well, hey, that's the reality. I've had patients over the years, uh, people I've known socially, who've uh, smoked some to try to control their appetite. And um, there's no benefit in me uh, sugar coating things, especially on a week where we're going to talk about leaving off sugar and trying to get you to somehow think uh, tobacco is all evil. Well, there are some benefits to tobacco smoking that people appreciate. One of them is it does have an appetite-suppressant effect. It slows down stomach emptying. Now, this is perceived to be good by people who are dealing with weight, but part of the problem is when food sits in your stomach longer, it increases the risk of causing reflux. And uh, tobacco smoke is already a problem because it's dramatically increasing your risk of problems like gastritis and ulcers keeping the food in there longer, interfering with the acid mechanisms in the body, really setting you up for some serious gastrointestinal problems. Smoking is well known to blunt your sense of taste and smell. So what do you think that does to your appetite? Well, food doesn't taste as well. If you've ever known a cigarette smoker or if you've been a smoker in the past or currently are, you may notice That when everyone else seems to be happy with the meal, you're reaching for the salt shaker and other seasonings and pouring that uh, pepper, whatever it might be, on your food so it will give it some taste. You're saying, why does everything taste so bland? It's because tobacco smoking blunts your sense of taste and smell. And so for this reason, this can contribute to decreased caloric intake. Nicotine also is a stimulant, so it does have some metabolism-raising effects, And so uh, for all these three reasons, people say, hey, I'm going to use some cigarettes to help with my weight. Now, here's why I do not recommend it. Uh, You know, first of all, as I've already mentioned, and I, I think you well know, tobacco smoking is deleterious in any amount. When we wrote our book, 30 Days to Natural Blood Pressure Control, and I actually have a copy right here. Many of you are familiar with the book. We talked about some of the deleterious aspects of smoking, and one of them is really shocking I'll see if I can put the graphic up, perhaps, in this uh, video production. We've got a graphic here showing what happens with your first cigarette of the day, your first cigarette of the day. And uh, what do you think happens to your blood pressure when you just take a single cigarette? It is actually shocking. If you look at it, we've got it uh, detailed. It's on page 191 is where that chapter starts, speaking with environment. But one aspect of environment we talk about is fresh air, uh, cigarette smoking is definitely uh, one way to undermine that. But what we've got a picture here, this is within four minutes of your first cigarette. It shows your blood pressure, your systolic blood pressure, going up some 25 points. So tobacco smoking is uh, something that has deleterious cardiovascular implications. And uh, so we really want to take that off the list. I'm going to come back to tell you more about tobacco smoke and uh, why we want to try to get away from this addiction as well as others. But we're especially going to highlight sugar consumption. Many of you have gotten rid of those sugar-sweetened beverages. We want to talk about some other high-sugar foods and other options, things that can make a difference as far as your weight. I'm Dr. David DeRose. You're listening to American Indian and Alaska Native Living. We'll be back with more right after this.
0: Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please reach out to us on the web at AIANL.org. That stands for American Indian Alaska Native Living. Again, AIANL.org. Or you can call us at 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. We are strong. We are resilient. And we will get through this together. But these are stressful times. And it's important to also practice good self-care. It's normal to feel overwhelmed, anxious, or afraid. But there is hope. Reach out to someone. Connect with your friends. Stay in touch with your community. And know that you are not alone. Learn more at wearebroadcasters.com slash hope
3: Contact your local USDA Service Center or visit www.fsa.usda.gov.
2: Social Security is with you through life's journey from birth to retirement. As your life changes year to year, so do your needs. For over 80 years, Social Security has helped to meet your needs and is committed to improving access to the services that make a difference in your life. Today, you can verify your earnings, See what you can do online at SocialSecurity.gov.
3: Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense.
0: You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian and Alaskan Native Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673.
1: Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to American Indian and Alaska Native Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We are actually doing a joint program where we're featuring the uh, audio on this edition of American Indian and Alaska Native Living Radio. And the video is being uh, featured as our fourth in a series of eight installments dealing with the Fast 8 weight loss program. Week 4. This uh, program was designed to launch week 4 of the program and we're talking about people making a clean break, making a fast, avoiding all addictive substances. One of those addictive substances that we're recommending you avoid is addictive use of tobacco. The reason I'm saying it in those terms is uh, many of our regular listeners on this show have told me in so many words, I may uh, use tobacco in one of my native ceremonies, uh, you know, maybe once a month or something. So we're not, classifying that in this discussion, okay? We're talking about addictive use of substances. We're talking to folks who are using tobacco on a daily basis, typically. And uh, one of the reasons in people who have a tendency to overweight and obesity is actually using tobacco to try to curb their weight, and they're often afraid to stop smoking. So you say, well, why would we do this in a weight loss program? Why wouldn't we say, just keep smoking, it's going to help you? Here's why. First of all, tobacco smoke is not only increasing your risk of some of the complications of overweight. It's increasing your risk of diabetes. That's right. Tobacco smoke increases what we call insulin resistance. So it's making that whole part of the equation worse for you. Uh, it's doing a number of other things as well. It is actually causing problems with, believe it or not, you guessed it, appetite. You say, wait a minute, wait, wait. You told me it's curbing appetite. Why would that be bad? What I've been trying to make a case for you, and we talked about it earlier in the program, and I've reviewed it with you in this presentation, is that we're trying to get folks to not eat between meals. Here's the interesting thing. If you try to curb your appetite at mealtime through artificial strategies like smoking, if you're not getting the calories you need at mealtime, what are you going to want to do between meals? Yes, you're going to want to eat. So what we're trying to encourage folks to do is to eat sufficient amounts to satisfy their hunger at each of up to three meals per day. And we have a whole section in our handout under week number one where we talk about this whole idea of learning to differentiate between hunger and appetite. So if you didn't uh, really lock into that, whether you engage with the video content or are just listening on the radio, get the free handout at TimelessHealingInsights.org. Go to Fast8 or hit uh, slash Fast8, that's F-A-S-T, and then the number 8 after TimelessHealingInsights.org, and you can get the free handout. Engage with that material because here's what we're trying to do. We're trying to make it so that you don't need to eat between meals. What the research shows is not uh, unlike the person you may have met. It is true. I've run into some folks that said, oh, I went on the grazing program and, and I lost weight. You know, it really helped me. The majority of people in the research, what we find is if you look across populations, the more frequently you eat throughout the course of a day, the higher your weight is going to be. Just on average, there's all kinds of individual factors that weigh in. So we're trying to get people to eat less frequently. I say we're trying to get you to eat less frequently. We're recommending that you do that. We're challenging you to do it. But uh, we're really trying to help you to be successful. And uh, smoking interferes with that because you don't eat as much to satisfy your needs at a given meal. The other concern that we really have with tobacco smoke is you don't need cigarettes if you're following the principles in this program. So those leaf stem and flower vegetables are helping to fill up your stomach, increasing the sense of satiety with fewer calories instead of resorting to an artificial substance that has deleterious consequences. Okay? So keep that All tucked away there. Now, let's move to another substance that uh, also has uh, become very popular in North American culture and throughout the world, and it is the substance of caffeine. So we are challenging you in this program to walk away from caffeine as well. Now, you're saying, well, this is really crazy because a lot of these energy drinks, things that uh, are trying to boost metabolism, they put caffeine in there. So you're taking away some of these natural stimulants like nicotine and caffeine. Why would you do that, Dr. DeRose? Don't we want to speed up our metabolism? Let me tell you something fascinating. If you didn't catch it when we were speaking about water drinking, fasting from all beverages but water, one of the amazing things that water drinking does, if you drink pure water, it actually raises metabolism. That's what the research shows. It's got to be pure water. So pure water has this metabolism-raising effect, and uh, we're saying use that instead of the nicotine. Use that instead of the caffeine. Here's my bigger concern with the caffeine. Years ago, I had the privilege of working with a neurophysiologist. His name was actually Dr. Burnell Baldwin. Dr. Baldwin was uh, actually the person to whom I dedicated a book that we'll be speaking about uh, later on, and that book is uh, The Methuselah Factor, uh, Dr. Baldwin was the person that got me excited about the topic of hemorrheology or blood fluidity. And so when I wrote this book, it was because of seeds that Dr. Burnell sowed in my mind years before this uh, book was ever written. And here's the dedication to the late Burnell Baldwin, Ph.D., who first introduced me to the wonders of hemorrheology. And so let me tell you about Dr. Baldwin. Dr. Baldwin, as uh I sat at his feet, so to speak, as his mentee. He shared with me a number of interesting things, one of them, and not all of this was in an individual context, but uh, there were others that he would sometimes lecture to in classroom settings and things. But Dr. Baldwin told us about the great Russian neuroscientist by the name of Pavlov. Many of you, when you hear Pavlov, you think, oh yeah, he was the guy with the bells and the salivating dogs. Yeah, same Pavlov. But Pavlov, according to... Dr. Burnell had also made some interesting observations about caffeine. Now, not being a Russian speaker, I've not been able to track this down to say, you know, did Pavlov really write about this? Can we definitively prove it? So if any of you speak Russian and can help me track down a reference, I'd appreciate it. But um, Baldwin said that Pavlov called caffeine bad habit glue. Now, in all fairness, if Pavlov didn't say that, Dr. Bernal Baldwin is no longer with us. Maybe I just took notes incorrectly in my mind. But anyway, I did make this connection. Dr. Baldwin, very clear, this connection between caffeine and bad habits. One of the studies that he shared with us was how when typists were given coffee, given caffeine, they typed faster, but they also made more mistakes. However, what Baldwin pointed out was the mistakes they made were not just random mistakes, They were the mistakes they had made when they were learning to type. Basically, the caffeine resurrected bad habit pathways in the brain. Years later, we found the same phenomenon when I was working at a residential lifestyle center. We were working with people who had nicotine addiction problems. They would come to our center for a week for a residential live-in program. And we instructed them as part of this program to leave off all caffeine. We found something amazing as we followed up with these patients months later. Every single patient who had stayed off of caffeine did not go back to smoking. But a significant percentage of those who went back to the caffeine went back to the cigarettes. Now, some people say, well, yeah, there's this connection. You know, you're drinking coffee and you're smoking a cigarette. But it seems to be more than that. It seems to be that the caffeine actually facilitates bad habit pathways in the brain. Now, if you're like an audience that I was speaking to just about a week ago, I was out of state lecturing on a university campus, invited to speak there, and one of the organizers said, we really need you to talk with our student body about caffeine. And so I shared some of the data, and I shared data that came out about a decade ago that first really started to put this topic in the public mind somehow making a connection between coffee drinking, caffeine, and longevity, beneficial effects. And what was very interesting is as the press wires carried the story, it was headlined this way, Want to Live Longer? Question mark Drink coffee. Now you say, well, boy, that should nail it, right? Why would you tell us to avoid caffeine, avoid coffee? Why would you be doing that to us? Well, here's why. The researchers found something very interesting in that study. When I actually went to the study in the New England Journal of Medicine, it was very interesting. Because when you looked at the raw data, the authors themselves even said, in so many words, the more coffee that participants drank, the sooner they died. Now, some of you are saying, wait a minute, just didn't you just say the opposite? Uh, didn't you just say... If you want to live longer, drink coffee like it's going to help you live longer. How would the data show the opposite? The data did show the opposite. And the data also showed exactly what you would predict, exactly what you would predict, if, if caffeine was bad habit glue. And I've already suggested to you it is. I did include this in the book, The Methuselah Factor. And I'm turning there. So we have a a short chapter on caffeine. Some of you who've been going through the FAST8 program, realize that I gave you an option. I said, if you don't want to do the FAST8 program as we're specifying it with these weekly installments, we will give you another option. You can actually go through the Methuselah Factor book. The last 30 chapters are 30 daily goals. And you don't even need to buy the book because those same 30 daily goals are on the free TimelessHealingInsights.org website. It's all under something called 30 Days to Better Health. So if you're going through this weight loss program and you say, it's just not connecting with me, these eight weekly goals, we give you an option. Instead of the first four weeks going through the once a week programming, you can go through short daily presentations that I give six minutes a day on the 30 Days to Better Health program. So you can get that all there at TimelessHealingInsights.org. I told you, though, that caffeine and coffee specifically were associated with what you'd expect if it was bad habit glue. I'm going to tell you those details when we come back with our next segment. You're listening to American Indian and Alaska Native Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. Don't go away. American Indian and Alaska Native
0: Living will continue in a moment. If you have questions or comments about today's pre-recorded broadcast, please contact us on the web at AIANL.org or call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. A message from the National Police Association. It used to be that any able-bodied person would offer to assist a police officer in danger. Now, passers-by are more likely to take a video. There's a better use for your phone when an officer's in trouble. Call 911. Tell the operator where you are and what you see. Then, start your video to provide evidence later. To learn more about how you can assist law enforcement, visit nationalpolice.org. That's nationalpolice.org.
3: Unlike other health concerns, mental illness is not always easy to see. Depression won't show up on an eye chart, and you can't measure it on your bathroom scale. Sorting out a mental health concern is not something to attempt on your own. You won't find a bipolar disorder by looking at a thermometer. Like many other health conditions, help for mental illness takes professional diagnosis and treatment. Anxiety won't just go away under a stick-on bandage. So the sooner you seek treatment, the better. If you or a loved one has a mental health concern, don't go it alone. Find out what to do. For 24-hour free and confidential information and treatment referral, call 1-800-662-HELP. Learn more at SAMHSA.gov support. That's samhsa.gov/support.
1: Using meth taught me everything about freedom—only not like you think. It taught me how easy it is to lose your freedom. If you think meth is taking control of you, ask for help. You have the power to be truly free. I know. I'm Jan, and I'm free from meth.
3: If you or someone you know is struggling with meth, call 1-800-662-HELP for 24-hour free and confidential treatment referral. Learn more at samhsa.gov slash meth.
0: You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian and Alaskan Native Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673.
1: Here again is Dr. DeRose. You're back for the second half of today's edition of American Indian and Alaska Native Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We've been speaking about making clean breaks with addictive substances. That is the fast that we're challenging people to do in our fourth week of the fast aid program. I was sharing with you data from the New England Journal of Medicine, speaking about, well, initially it sounded like it was some advantages of drinking more coffee, but uh, I told you that the research found that individuals who drank more coffee actually died sooner. And they then found that coffee was associated with just what we'd expect it to be associated with if it was bad habit glue. In other words, what the researchers found is the kind of habits that you know you should be walking away from, you're less likely to walk away from, If you're using coffee, let me go through the list. They found that coffee drinkers were more likely to smoke cigarettes. Coffee drinkers, the more someone drank coffee, the more likely they were to drink more than three alcoholic beverages daily. The more likely they were to eat more red meat. They were more likely to have lower educational attainments. In other words, complete less schooling. They were more likely to neglect to engage in vigorous physical activity and they consumed fewer fruits and vegetables. And you say, well, okay, that's all amazing. It sounds like it is making a case for caffeine and coffee in particular in that study being bad habit glue, but how could they publish that it helped people live longer? Well, when the researchers tried to account or undo all of the negative things that coffee drinking was associated with, it actually seemed like coffee help people live longer. Now, I know that may sound kind of bizarre. If you're an epidemiologist or a scientist, you realize we talk about something called confounding, how different things can obscure relationships. But what I tell my students when I've taught in college classrooms and what I'll tell you over the air is if the raw data indicates a relationship in one direction, be very, very careful. If you think you're controlling for factors that lead to a conclusion that an item in question is uh, moving relationships in the opposite direction. Let me put it in plain English. The raw data showed that more coffee drinking was associated with earlier death. Be very suspect if you come to a conclusion that coffee helped people live longer, because that is not what happened in free-living people. Yeah, you can attribute it to all the other bad habits that coffee drinkers were following, but... It's very dangerous ground to draw that conclusion. Nothing wrong with what the researchers did. I mean, that's standard scientific practice, but I'm just telling you how to read a study, and you should be very suspect of the conclusions. So here's my point. We're trying to help you walk away from everything but water between meals. We're trying to get you away from those addictive substances, those addictive beverages, uh, cigarette smoking. But there's a bigger focus that we're trying to put in this fourth week of the Fast Aid program, and we've also addressed that in the Methuselah Factor program. And just so you know, I'm going to try, I'm going to do my best to try to have in this video presentation all the essential graphics from this book. So we're not determined to make sure you rush out and get the book. I mean, of course, uh, since you're hearing from the author, I think it's a wonderful book. Uh, and I've heard that from many people, over 300 reviews on Amazon with generally very favorable reviews. I think it's averaging like 4.4 stars. But um, here's my point. We're going to try to put this content in your hands. And uh, all the 30 daily goals in the Methuselah Factor book, that's the last 30 chapters, are there for you free in our 30-day program. They're essentially the same goals. But what I want to highlight is the uh, material about high sugar and high salt foods. And here's why we're doing it. Two of the things that are driving the epidemic of chronic diseases in America are high blood pressure and Excess weight, okay? These things are linked to diabetes, uh, diabetes complications specifically, to heart disease, to stroke. And um, this is serious business. Uh, A lot of folks say, well, i got to die from something. I mean, it doesn't sound like it's all that bad to just have a heart attack or a stroke and just not wake up. Well, the problem is, you know as well as I do, that a lot of people who have the heart attacks and strokes, they do wake up. And they're paralyzed in half their body with a stroke for the rest of their life. Or um, they have that heart attack and now they're unable to walk across the room without getting short of breath. And their legs are swelling and fluid is backing up into their lungs. They have something called congestive heart failure as a result of what we call ischemic heart disease. So lack of oxygen to the heart maybe because of a heart attack or the results of a heart attack. So here's where I want to go with this. We're trying to help people walk away from addictive substances. And a lot of you are probably saying, Hey, you know, I don't smoke. I don't have a real problem with caffeine. I don't use any street drugs. What are you talking about? Many people in my experience have an addictive relationship with high sugar foods. It may be a specific food. It may be uh, chocolate. It may be ice cream. It may be cake, maybe donuts. And you just have trouble controlling your consumption when it comes to that food. So some folks say, but it's not a true addiction. You know, I don't go through a true withdrawal or my tolerance isn't increasing. I'm happy with just, you know, five donuts a day. I haven't gone up to, you know, five boxes a day. Whether it meets all the criteria for a formal addiction, if you're someone who knows that you have trouble controlling your consumption of a specific food or specific foods, what I have found in working with hundreds of patients over the years, thousands of people and programs and and uh, things that I've done in person, online, in seminars, is that the real success comes when you make clean breaks with addictive substances. The real power comes when you make clean breaks with these problem foods. So don't say, well, you know, I think I can still have a candy bar every day. Listen, if you have an addictive relationship with candy, if you're putting away three pounds of candy a day, there's not a really good chance that you're going to be happy cutting down to one candy bar a week. What that does is you're telling yourself this is something desirable, but I can't have it because of my diabetes or my weight. What does the focus become? The focus becomes deprivation. The fasting programs that we're talking about are not fasting programs that are designed to have you uh, living a life of constant denial. It's fasting strategies that are going to help you be winners, develop new habits, new enjoyments. I can tell you from my own experience, I used to have serious problems with sugar. I got to a point as a young adult where I said, I have to make a clean break with all sugar. Now, I'm not telling any of you to do that, but that's where it was that bad for me. I couldn't go to bed at night unless I had cake or ice cream or something sweet. Could not go to bed. Okay, you get the picture. In the morning, my routine was looking for candy bars and Cokes. Okay, are you following along with me? So if you're dealing with that, I can relate. I said, I just have to make a clean break with all of this. And is it easy to do that? No. But here's the crazy thing. When you make that clean break with everything, in a matter of time, you develop new enjoyments. For some people, it's a matter of days. For other people, it's weeks. Uh, we'll talk about sodium in uh, hopefully a little bit of, of time here. With sodium, the research shows it takes about three months before your tastes fully adjust to a lower-sodium diet. And that's when you make a dramatic change in sodium intake, like cutting your salt intake in half. Okay? So let's come back now to the sugar issue. So there was a time in my life where I mentioned that I made a clean break with sugar. We're not asking you to do that as part of this Fast 8 program. Here's what we're doing. We're challenging you to do the same thing that we challenge people to do on Day 17 of the free 30-day program. So a lot of you, if you're connecting the dots, you're saying, wait a minute. A lot of these same goals, same challenges are in the 30-day program. Yes, we've packaged them differently and with different emphases. So the free 30-day program online, although we've had many people lose weight on it, the special focus is on diabetes and high blood pressure. So you'll notice as you're going through that program, I keep talking about those two chronic diseases. The fast aid program, the special focus is on weight. So our illustrations, our focus, our emphasis is on weight reduction, especially. So, yes, the program elements are very similar, but we're applying them to some different conditions. So, day 17 in the Methuselah Factor program, it's day 17 in the 30 Days to Better Health program online. And right here, we've got figure 17. I'm going to try to get it projected when we put this uh, video out. Figure 17 actually has a Nutrition Facts label. And on this Nutrition Facts label... It basically is giving you some key figures. It's got uh, the number of calories on the label. It says 110. The milligrams of sodium are listed as 35. And then we've got a carbohydrate section. It has total carbohydrates, 24 grams, dietary fiber, 2 grams, and then it has sugars, 3 grams. So you say, now wait a minute, 2 plus 3? That makes five. 24 grams, uh, why does it only account for five? Well, it's telling you uh, which of the total carbohydrates are in the form of fiber. They're indigestible carbohydrates, things that your body can't digest. And then they're showing you which ones are simple sugars. That means all of the rest of the carbohydrates are what we call complex carbohydrates. So these are these um, carbohydrates that actually have health-giving properties rather than health undermining properties, as the simple sugars do. So here's what we're going to have you do. In this example, 24 grams total of carbohydrates, 3 grams of sugar. We're going to have you take the 24, the total carbohydrate grams, and divide it by the grams per serving of simple sugars, which is 3. So most of you can do this in your head. 24 divided by 3 is what? You got it. It is 8. So the ratio is what we're interested in. That ratio, that division problem. Divide total carbohydrates by the simple carbohydrates, by the sugars, and you get a number. If that number is five or greater, we're going to say it's okay. In terms of the fast eight program, in terms of our 30 uh, day program, either one, it's the same guideline. So low, low sugar eating, low sugar eating means actually look at the nutrition label. And if it is a five or greater ratio of total carbs to sugars, it is acceptable on this program. Fair enough? Now, here's the thing you're going to find. You've got to read labels. Because even some of these things that you think of as being health foods are not all that healthy. That's right. Let me tell you, um, I point out to people that uh one of the places that I call the candy aisle in disguise is the breakfast food aisle. You'll find many, quote, healthy breakfast foods, all natural, organic. Look on the label. Maybe a third of the calories is simple sugar. So this is not your friend. Those simple sugar calories, no fiber associated with simple sugar. It's just calories, okay? And uh, this is one of the things that is really not going to be helping you to try to optimize your weight. So we're asking you to make a clean break with those high sugar foods. The other thing that we're challenging you to do this week is make a clean break with high-sodium foods. Now, why would that be? Why would that be important on a program where we're trying to help you focus on things that optimize your health and optimize your weight? This is a controversial one, and I'll tell you, even just recently, a patient sent me some information. They said, I just saw this online. It says, it's all a bunch of nonsense. You can eat all the salt you want And they'll sell us this special program, maybe even give us a special book that will tell me that I can eat all the sodium I want. I'm going to tell you in our next segment why that is not a good strategy. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose. This special edition of American Indian and Alaska Native Living is not only being recorded for audio, it is being videoed. And uh, this video is going out as the fourth installment in a series of eight weekly videos that go along with something that we call the Fast Eight Program. If you want to engage with that program, simply go to timelesshealinginsights.org slash fast eight. That's F A S T and the number eight. We'll be back with more in our final segment of today's broadcast. Stay tuned.
0: Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded.
1: Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to our final segment of today's edition of American Indian and Alaska Native Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We are going through our fourth in a series of eight installments of our Fast Eight program. This is content that will be uh, broadcast in a video format. You can access it simply by going to timelesshealinginsights.org and look for Fast Eight. If we've talked about some uh, material that you'd like to see, maybe some graphics, we're going to try to get those uh, into this program when it comes out in its uh, video format, so we encourage you to check out that option. We also have a free handout that will have many of these same illustrations, and you can download it right at TimelessHealingInsights.org. If you put a slash Fast 8 after it, it will take you right to the Fast 8 page. But uh, TimelessHealingInsights.org, front and center, uh, the very first thing that you'll see is the uh, banner for Fast Date, so you can sign up either uh, there or by going directly to the page. Anyway, we're talking about things that we're encouraging folks to do, fasting strategies to help them be successful when it comes to trimming down. One of the things on the list is avoiding high-sodium foods, and a lot of folks say, well... Is that really important? Why are you talking about avoiding high-sodium foods? Well, there's several reasons. First one is this. When my colleagues and I came out with this book, 30 Days to Natural Blood Pressure Control, Dr. Greg Steinkey, nurse practitioner Trudy Lee, and myself, we were looking at the data and connections between sodium intake and blood pressure. And just like that patient I alluded to as we were going into the break— A lot of people have been saying, well, hey, it's just a bunch of hype, Uh, you know, you can have as much sodium as you want and it won't affect your blood pressure. Well, it is true. There are some people that seem to be uh, pretty resistant to salt. So you might be saying, yeah, I just pour salt all over my food and my blood pressure is, you know, 100 over 65. There are some people like that. But there are a lot of people that are sensitive to sodium. Now, in the book, we talk about some caveats and I'll just talk with you about them. If you're on blood pressure medications or medications for fluid imbalance, uh, diuretics, maybe you're on furosemide, maybe you're on um, Bumex, the other one is Lasix, uh, maybe you're on hydrochlorothiazide, sometimes abbreviated HCTZ, or chlorthalidone. So there's a number of different diuretics that are out there, even spironolactone or aldactone. These diuretics are actually influencing. They're affecting your balance of things like sodium and potassium. And if you make a dramatic change in your sodium intake, it can have some adverse implications. So like we've been talking with this program to begin with, this is not a program where I'm individually working as anyone's doctor. I'm not your personal physician. I'm giving you general information uh, that grows out of many years of my experience in working with people and helping them to optimize their health. So that's what we are doing for you today, and that's what we're talking with you about. So when it comes to sodium, we have a whole section in our book on this. And the reason why is because, yes, many people are susceptible to sodium, and it's contributing to a host of problems. In the book, this is figure 5.12, and I will try to reproduce this in the video edition. Figure 5.12, this is a study from the New England Journal of Medicine. Uh, We mentioned the New England Journal earlier in a caffeine study, so one of the leading journals in the world, New England Journal of Medicine. This looked at what would happen if Americans decreased their sodium consumption by just about 30%, okay? So go from one and a half teaspoons a day down to one teaspoon, okay so cut your salt intake by about a third what difference would it make what they found was this would save something like 40 or 50 thousand lives from heart disease and would save another 20 thousand or so lives from stroke the implications are far reaching just by decreasing your salt intake a small amount now, here's the other interesting part of the equation. Many individuals who are weighing themselves and struggling with their weight, part of their problem is excess fluid retention. And one of the things that can help you have a normal, more normal fluid balance in your body is to avoid the excess sodium. Now, it's possible that some of you, as we've been encouraging you to do better with drinking water, You've avoided doing that, you say, I just retain fluid and I'm trying to lose weight. I don't want to do that. Here's the interesting thing if you're watching your sodium intake and you're drinking more water, provided you don't have kidney problems or heart disease, you know, you don't have congestive heart failure, you don't have problems with kidney function, as you drink more water, that actually helps to flush excess sodium out of your body. It's amazing. And as you get sodium out of your body, it takes more water with it. It tends to decrease fluid retention in the body by actually drinking more water. So we're trying to address this from two perspectives, and that is decreasing your sodium intake and drinking more water. Now, again, if you're on some of these diuretics, if you're on other medications, you do need to be careful some of these things can get you into trouble. You can dilute your sodium so much that it could be dangerous or even life-threatening. So if you've got any questions, if you have medical illnesses, consult with your prescribing physician or healthcare provider so that uh, they can make appropriate adjustments in your medications. Or say, hey, don't do this fast this week. Okay? Remember... Those of you that are on the Fast aid program, this program is designed to put you in the driver's seat and give you challenges, things that you can accomplish. So let me just, on that note, wind up this segment with a few things that I think are encouraging and keep things in perspective. If we've talked about anything this week that you say is just impossible for you to implement, you say, there's no way I can walk away from my caffeine. There's no way I could stop smoking. Then we don't want you to set yourself up for failure in this program. This program is all about Success. Find something you can be successful with. You say, Dr. DeRose, I can't walk away from all my sugar. Then here's what I'm going to ask you to do. And remember, I'm not telling anyone to walk away from all their sugar. Remember, we gave you that rule of thumb with five times at least, five times more complex carbohydrates or total carbohydrates than sugars. But let's say you're at a point like I was some years ago, and you feel, I really need to make a clean break with sugar, but I just can't do it. Pick out something that you can make a clean break with. Maybe it's just one type of candy bar. Okay, Maybe it's your favorite candy bar. Maybe it's your second favorite candy bar. And you're going to say, for this week, I am going to make a clean break with that. I have an addictive relationship with it. I'm going to make a clean break with it. Some people say, well, what good is that going to do? You're probably eating more of another candy bar if you just make a clean break with that one. It's amazing. And here's where we come back to the sodium. Many of the worst foods when it comes to weight gain are high-sodium foods. Here's what we're asking you to do. We're giving you a specific challenge. We want you to read labels when it comes to sodium. And what I want you to do is look at two things on the nutrition label. I'm going to show this same label, the one that we projected for you earlier. And uh, I want you to look now at the calories per serving and the amount of sodium per serving. Do you see them there? And what we're looking at is we're wanting to see what? We're wanting to see which is larger, the milligrams of sodium per serving or the calories. You say, well, that's easy. In this illustration, there's 110 calories per serving. There are only 35 milligrams of sodium. So this is a low-sodium food. By our definition, in this program, okay? So we're wanting you to avoid foods that are high-sodium foods. So if instead of saying 35 milligrams of sodium, it said 350, you'd look at the milligrams of sodium per serving. Now it's 350. It's still illustrating 35. But um, what are the number of calories? It's 110 calories per serving. 350, far more than 110. You say, but Dr. DeRose, how about if it's equal? How about 110 calories 110 milligrams of sodium. You make the call then, okay? We'll let you eat that as part of the lower sodium options. So I'm challenging you to make a clean break with those high sodium options. What you're going to find is many of those high sodium options are foods you shouldn't be eating for other reasons as well. They've got a lot of artificial flavorings and colorings in them. They've got a lot of calories, high caloric density. They're highly refined foods that are associated with weight gain. These are our challenges for you in week four of the Fast 8 program. Just jumping on, get at least the free handout, even if you don't go through the free program. We walk you through many of these things. And that free handout is a work in progress. We're continuing to update it over the course of the eight weeks. That's why we encourage you to register. That's why I want you to register for the handout, because then we can send you updates when the new edition of the handout comes out and when new videos are coming out. One last thing I want to give to you. Because we've not had an interactive component to this video, and that's what we've been doing many of the weeks, we are meeting now on Wednesday nights from 8 to 9 p.m. This is uh, through the months of February and March of 2023. If you go to the Fast Eight website, that's timelesshealinginsights.org, go to the website there, and uh, you can actually, right through that website, you can link to The Wednesday evening programs. Uh, It is a spiritual support group. Even if you're not comfortable with the spiritual orientation, we'll take your questions, we'll interact with you, we'll try to support you on your weight loss journey. Well, that's all the time we've got for today. I'm Dr. David DeRose wishing you the very best of health. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.